There's an entire generation that came of age when video games also came of age. What started in arcades around the nation became home entertainment consoles with games starring your favorite characters and some new ones came into your home onto your television screen for your personal enjoyment. We all powered up, fought the forces of evil, rescued the princess, and saved the world. With so many hours poured into these pursuits, is all that time just water under the bridge? And was it only entertainment, or did we carry away skills that are useful now? Think about your own experiences. Formulate some questions as we launch into the loop and discuss the lessons of Zelda today on Curiosity Continuum. Hey everybody, this is Brian. And this is Josh. Thank you for joining us today on Curiosity Continuum. For those of you tuning in for the first time, Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends who want to spark your curiosity, help you integrate information, and enhance your everyday contextual awareness in a constantly changing world by sharing our conversations with you that explore, examine, and reframe common practical topics. All right, so you guys can find us at www.curiositycontinuum.com. You can find out where to listen to us on that site. You can find us on social media, follow us there. Interact and rate our podcast on your service of choice, please. It helps us find a new audience. It also helps us uh, discover new topics that we can address. So, Right, and yeah, and definitely on that, on that note too, definitely send us an email. Um, and right on www.curiositycontinuum.com, you can do that. We have a form. You can actually just fill it out and send us an email right there. So we can get you know your ideas for topics. Or if you have some other idea of a show or on um, how we can improve the show, we really do want to hear it. Thanks, man. So something near and dear to both Josh and Mai's heart we're talking about today. It's video games. Yes, video games have made it into the loop on this <laughs> <laughs> podcast, <laughs> but it's something that uh, some of my fondest memories, man, were going over to your place and playing games, regardless of what they were. And uh, I didn't realize that so many years later, we'd still be talking about the same games that we did then. I know. So um, I think one that we didn't really play this one too much together. I don't think like the Legend of Zelda. I don't think we played that too much together, but we did play it. We did. Yeah. I know. I know. I played that with my other or one of my other friends, Neil, who was. A uh, friend of Geographic Coincidence. Plus, he was a pretty cool guy. He was. We would go, get off of school, and then he would read the map because there was a map from Nintendo Power. He would read the map and tell me where to go, and I would be playing the game. <laughs> I loved. And I think Nintendo that Power. it was like two years we were playing that game for. It took a long time because there's a lot to that game, and this is the age before you could look something up on the internet. I remember begging my mom for me to call long distance to California. At about two dollars a minute back in the eighties to be able to find a tip <laughs> to learn how to get through something. Yeah, talk to a guy who just you know is supposed to be like a a guru of whatever yes. of every game. I I guess they had some kind of binders where they would just like flip through the binders if they didn't know. It's a good idea though because there's no way you can know everything about everything, even though there's people yeah, now that yeah, it's not like have. just not just like type it up on Google because yeah. it wasn't there, you know. <laughs> No YouTube videos. Exactly. So bringing some of the non-gamers up to speed. So there's a famous game called The Legend of Zelda, which is one of the um, probably the most successful titles that ever came out originally under Nintendo. And there's been about 19 games to date that have spun out, mainly in the Nintendo universe. And it follows a character named Link. And it's in the kingdom of Hyrule. And there's this uh, evil lord that becomes kind of like a demon-type character named Ganon. And he's trying to grab all the power and all the things 
And so the princess, in her might and wisdom, splits up uh, this triangle called the Triforce to go pick up all the pieces and defeat Ganon. So it's kind of like a big epic tale. If you were to think of something like a Lord of the Rings or Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe and like that scope of ideas, like that's kind of what it was boiled into a video game. Okay, so this game is an open world game, believe it or not, but not in a way we would think of an open world game today. I know if you are a gamer or if you have children that are gamers or even if you've seen games, you'll hear them talk about open world games. But this was truly like one of the first open world games. And you had limited resources, even though you could get, you could probably get unlimited bombs and stuff like that, but you couldn't get it all at once. And you had to, you always, you know, you're always looking out for the next item to get you to the next place. Or the, if you saw something, you had to remember where it was to go back and get it. So this game was released, Legend of Zelda was released in uh, 1986. This game was an open world game. So the same creators that created Super Mario Brothers also created Legend of Zelda. Now, in the format of Super Mario Brothers, what you're doing is you have a very specific path you have to follow to get from the beginning to the end. There might be like yeah, a second... very linear. Very yeah. linear, and I start here, I end here, and that's how it works. So when we talk about an open world game, it actually is more like the real world, where nobody's telling you you have to go here first, this second, third. There's obviously things that will be make it easier as you go along and the levels get harder, but you had the choice, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go explore this. And this is what made this uh, so engrossing, was that there was no uh, set path. This was really uh, a dynamic choose-your-own-adventure kind of game, and you would explore things and discover things because you'd never been there before, and you just had to maybe map it out on a piece of paper, a lot like the real world. Uh, the closest... Uh, comparison we have today would be Minecraft because you have resources and you, you can be in a survival mode and you're trying to gather these things to be able to make a shelter for yourself and to hunt and to do that same type of idea but this was the, uh, the first major one that really came to home gaming I think was this particular game yeah I think so Brian um, and on that path I really do think that it, 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 it made people think about gaming in a different way and that there were skills that in this type of game that you could take and move on to other things. For example, um, your strategy of how you know you remember th where certain things are or go back and do something or use items in new and interesting ways. Those are skills that you can really take with you throughout your life. There's uh, in The Legend of Zelda, your character's name is Link and you have an inventory and there's so many things you carry in your inventory at any given time. So unlike saying, like, oh, I just have unlimited something, you had to make sure that you saved your money, which were called rupees at the time. You had, uh, like, different resources, like bombs or arrows you had to do because it takes place kind of in, like, almost like a medieval-feeling setting, you know, where there's not, like, guns and ammo. It's swords and, uh, you know, uh, more analog type of weapons and things. The interesting thing about this is that the music that also accompanied it lets you know kind of where you were. I wish life had this type of soundtrack knowing like, hey, you're about to enter <laughs> a dangerous part of the world and the music's going to kick up. Or this is like the nice peaceful spot and here's a nice <laughs> something that goes along right. with it. Um, one of the things that was so interesting to me in this game when I really thought about this, like how do, do, does this actually apply to real life and what have I done? And it really is because when you're doing those things, you have to learn, for example, like to conserve resources. So... In this particular game, you use bombs to be able to blow holes in walls to be able to go find other things. And you learn that if you actually bomb between the sections, you could bomb two spots using one bomb. 
And you didn't know that necessarily at first until maybe you did it by accident, but then you quickly remembered that because it was a lot of money and a lot of work to go find more resources to go right. do. And that's real life. It's like if I had infinite money to do whatever, you know, you wouldn't plan it as well. You know, I mean, people, when they become wealthy, they don't become wealthy just because they just spend it on whatever. They're very careful about what they do. That's a very important right. thing. And that goes into like a whole budgeting thing. But even millionaires and people who are billionaires, they have budgets. I mean, everybody has to learn because money is a limited resource. So it just is more, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if if I was a billionaire, <laughs> my budget would be much more than what it is now yes. or a millionaire even. But you'd still budget, so, you know. The- yeah, you'd have to because it, you you don't have unlimited. Like, it's like you're not printing money. Quite literally, you're not. Oh, maybe you are, but then that's another whole other issue. That's another life with. yeah, life path we don't <laughs> encourage you to go on. <laughs> right, right. Because that's not going to be sustainable for you. No. The one thing that um, there's two, two basic areas of Zelda when you think about it. There's like the overworld, which is kind of like, hey, I'm walking around. There's trees, there's mountains, there's whatever. And then there's the underworld. There's all the dungeons. A lot of the hard work that you do is done in the underworld and you pop up and everything seems sunny. I think there's a lot of times people, when you look at somebody's life to think like, Oh, Hey, like they've gone on this, look at this really nice clear path to easy street or whatever like that. That's never reality. There's always things that go along. Right. And so you don't know the hell or the dungeon that somebody just came through to pop back up to say, Oh, look, everything looks normal again. Oh, look, you're stronger and better. It's like, yeah, because it was not fun down below, but that's where all the hard work happened. Right. And that's, I mean, that is life too, isn't there? I mean, everybody goes through challenges and struggles in their life. You may not always show it. You know, you may not always, you know, tell everybody they're going through it. I mean, and so I know I know these people, and I'm sure you do too, where every time that you talk to them, everything's perfect and there's never any problems. Well, those that is okay. I mean, it's okay if you're going to put that out there like that, but realize that that's not reality. You know, and people do have issues and they work through them. There's also a thing to be learned, too, that in those times, there was a lot of times in games where you hit boring stretches. There was no way that you could spend $5 and power up and then just have everything you needed. There were times when you actually had to go and, like, just spend a lot of time. Like, I need to go save some money. So I'm going to go do these things in order to get the resources I need to go to the next thing. Those boring stretches actually were useful so that you would become creative about fighting it. Like you'd see if, if you needed a certain item and you said like, this is the place where I can go find the item the most. You began to remember that and you would go and visit those places because that was the most efficient use of your time. Right. And that's a lot like, a lot like real life. I mean, when you are bo- not maybe, maybe bored, but when you have unstructured time that, that sometimes when you come up with, you know, the most creative endeavors maybe, or your most creative ideas. At least for me, that's when I do it. Because if I'm like, like if I were just sitting at a computer, I'm never really coming up with that stuff. It's when I'm like watching a TV show and all of a sudden something hits me or, you know, when I'm just kind of like zoning out for a day because that does happen too. It's needed too though. Yep. Those, those type of things are the way that you keep your mind fresh. You go back and approach the same problem. Um, there's this idea, too, that happens in Zelda called the side quests, basically. Uh, you have your main quest, and this is where you're going to defeat Ganon, rescue the princess, and save the kingdom of Hyrule, which is the whole world. The side quests are things that are related to what you're doing, but not 
necessary to actually beat the game. And those things are put in there if you want to have a little bit different experience, more full experience at what you're doing. But it is very possible to win this game without doing every single thing you needed to. Josh, you said you saw a video online where there's a guy who basically beat the entire game with with barely any power-ups, right? Right. I think he just went through with uh, three heart containers, which happens to be the way that you gauge your how many hits you can take. And um, no sword until the very end, because you need a sword at the very end to beat the final boss, Ganon. And, he, and it was edited down about 11 minutes. I don't really know how long it actually took him. But that is itself is a feat. It is definitely a feat after knowing what how many times I died in that game to be able to do, you know? Sometimes the side quests are useful because it gives you a different perspective on what you're doing. Or it's something where you've hit such a point where you've tried to win at something and you just have to go find something else to do that's, that'll help build that skill. That's kind of where all those other things kind of come into play later on, which you maybe not, don't necessarily know. But it might be fun. It might be entertaining. And it always is keeping that greater story in mind, moving you in that direction. What happens in this game when you actually are approaching it? So, Josh, we're talking about dungeons right now. There's nine dungeons that you have in The Legend of Zelda and whatever quest you're doing. Josh, tell me about, because we played this game separate, how did you approach dungeons? Because I know like in the dungeons in the underworld, those are some of the trickiest things that, like, my dad and I, like, so my, you know, my dad would spend hours in front of this thing, too, which is actually really fun, because we have found something right. to do together, even though it's a one-player game. Wake up, and the next morning, I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? He goes, I beat level three. It's like, how long have you been doing this? Like, when I left him at 10 o'clock the previous night, he's still playing it over the weekend, which is kind of fun. But <laughs> He's still there. <laughs> he's, he's still there. And I'm like, going, did you even get up and go to the bathroom? You know, I always found myself going into dungeons with a certain level of heightened awareness always. It sounds really dumb. It's like, okay, I'm about to take this on. Did you find yourself taking that breath before there's like that new challenge that came up before you? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, if you were going through, and then you got used to it too. Um, you got used to the kind of, I don't know what, how I would say it, but you got used to the excitement of doing it. So you were the, the uh, adrenaline kicked in and you would, you would really feel like, okay, if I'm doing this, I hope I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm ready. And if you aren't, you're going to know pretty fast. <laughs> True. How did you prepare going into a dungeon? What did you make sure like was, um, was usually trying to always, yeah, always have bombs and always have, um, your life all the way up with what it could be at that time. Cause after each dungeon, you get a heart container. So you would actually, increase the amount of life you could have. One thing I always found myself doing was bringing uh, the magic potion because if uh, I got beat up and, and right. all, everything like that, I could drink that and it would restore all my life again, which I'm telling you what, sometimes you're in the throes of it. You need something to kind of like, put, you know, put the wind back in your sails to get you through because that's the only way you're going to make it out. No kidding. And I, and there's a lot to be learned from that too. It's like, in life, maybe there's not a magic potion you can drink to get all your life back. And we're not talking about five-hour energy or monster energy drinks or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, there is – it's a time to take a break. And that that's important too. And it may be like if you're just going through life and you're just, you know, checking boxes and, you know, cashing checks and breaking necks, that maybe you just <laughs> need to kind of uh, – <laughs> 
maybe you just need a little bit of time to take a break sometimes. And it's okay to do that. It's okay too that um, if you failed, that you can try again. The one thing about right. Zelda, which I loved, is that you could always save your game and come back to it later. You know, because you can only take so much at any given time. And sometimes it's just, I need to pause, <laughs> kind of walk away, stretch my legs, go to the bathroom, whatever it may be. But you always came back to it with a new vigor because it was something bigger than you. Um, the thing that, the way these things were built, and Josh, you, you, you had a comment about how arcades were built because these, this was you know, designed to extract quarters from, from children's pockets. On, right. On so that's why they were very difficult. This is true. And th- that initial influence made it its way into the, the first games that were on the home consoles is because it was designed to be difficult because they wanted you to have that length of time to engage with that. It also gave them time to develop a new game, but it gave you enough to keep you interested. And I know that, Josh, was it Golgol 13 as another game that you said, like, there's only so many copies of that game that actually you could beat? Was that right? I don't know if that was ever, like, a true thing. That game was so hard. I think that people made that up. To uh, because it was so difficult, and I mean, I remember renting that thing uh, day in and day out um, from the AV room, renting that renting it for like long weekends when they knew they would be closed on the Monday, because you'd get the extra day of rental in there. That and we could never beat that thing. We never beat it, <laughs> and um, I don't even think I even beat it when I got a Game Genie because I just was pretty much done with it at that point. <laughs> I know uh, the only way I could have beaten Zelda was by owning it. Because I spent such a right. large part of my life, and I think it was over a year. And then you get to the end of it, and then you realize, like, what's this other thing? By it? And you realize it's a whole other second quest. And it's in a different order, and it's tougher, and all those other kinds of things. I think that whatever quest you're on now, and you conquer it, there's always another quest to go on. There's always something else. And there are some things that are going to look similar. There are going to be other things that are different. But everything you learned in the first quest, you can definitely apply to the second quest and be just as successful, if not more, than before. Right, and I think it's a good life lesson too that a big, a big task you can break down into many simpler tasks, and that's what like this game taught. Try I think try to teach you like the overarching of it all was, look, yeah, you're going to save the world from an evil, but how are you going to do that? You're going to break it into smaller parts, smaller, more digestible parts. Who knew that you could have this much wisdom coming from? <laughs> Video games from your childhood. Well, Josh, I'm glad to know that that time in our life was put to good use in today's world. To, uh, uh, edify people about the the uh, wonderful things that you learn from video games. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? You know, I think it's. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a good thing, and I, I don't think people even thought about it. Like, I never thought about it at the time, and, and I don't even really th- remember thinking about it until you brought it up. <laughs> This is <laughs> but now, you know, mom, look, uh, we can do something with this, you know, <laughs> we're applying it into something and helping people's lives through video games. So I think until next time, Josh, we should put the comment in the conversation here. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a good spot. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, this is Brian. And this is Josh. Curiosity continue.
Thank mm-hmm. you.